So we've been starting a new series on about on on about on the family church values. These are our values of a church, and as, as a church, these would be values. I'm sure many many churches would would carry very very similar values or the same ones. Okay. So we're not saying these are unique to family church, but these are things that, that characterize kind of the culture of who we are as a church. We've talked a lot about culture, that everything has a culture, you know, whether it's in a family environment, a work environment, a, a marriage, what, a, you know, whatever the situation may be. Everything has a culture. It can either be defined or it can be a default culture. So in other words, a default culture is just allowed to happen. It just defaults to whatever it will be. Or it can be intentionally defined. Um, and as, as a church... We were intentional about defining the culture of our church and what our church looks like and how it works and to base that on, on biblical principles. You know, one thing I hear over and over again, I heard it again this morning, is, is, is people always saying how welcome they feel in family church. And I'm not saying it's not true in any other churches, obviously, but again, okay, but how welcome they always feel here. And, that, you know, that's an intentional cultural thing. We want it to be an incredibly welcome church where, where people just, you know, we say about we are family and welcome, no, it's not welcome home, that's some of the other welcome home banners out there. No, it's not those either. But we are so glad you're here, and we are family, and welcome home, and all those kind of things, that, that they're not just like just, just nice words to say, and we want that to be a true reality, and part of just very much ingrained in our culture, that people feel totally, totally at home here. So that's just an example, you know, of, of intentional cultural decisions. So we're going to continue just to unpack that this morning. So last week we looked at the fact that we are Christ-centred. We, we, as a church, we're committed to keeping Jesus and his kingdom at the center of our lives and, and church. We looked at, it's just a very brief summary, we looked at the fact that Jesus is the way and the truth and our life, always has been uh, and always will be. He never changed. We talked a bit about the Queen last week and about how it was, she had a life that was so well lived. You know, and that was not a coincidental thing. That she lived a low, live, sorry, live, lived, <laughs> getting my words mixed up, sorry, lived her life so well to the glory of of God, because she kept God at the center Amen. of it all. In her final Christmas Day message last year, obviously we didn't know it'd be the last one, but ended up being her final one. She said, "This is a simplicity of the Christmas story that makes it so universally appealing. Simple happenings that formed the starting point of the life of Jesus, a man whose teachings have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the bedrock of my faith. His birth marked a new beginning, as the carol says: the hopes and fears of all the years are met." In the tonight, and that's a little town of Bethlehem, that Carol. So, so for the Queen, Jesus' teachings, she openly admitted it, were the very bedrock of her faith. And what a great example that is to all of us. You know, our Jesus, is Jesus and his teachings the centre of our lives? You know, Jesus tells the whole parable, doesn't he, about we follow Jesus and his teachings, put them into practice, you're building your life upon a rock. Amen. He talked about remaining in Jesus, John 15, verse 4. Remain in me, as Jesus says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So we talked all, all about that, remaining in Jesus, and how, as we remain in Jesus, he produces a fruitful life in us. God wants us to be fruitful for him. Amen? But the key to it is being Christ-centered, keeping Jesus at the middle of it all. Amen? So that's kind of last week, if you think... If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to listen to it. You can find it on Spotify and on the website. But today what we're going to look at is that we are a commissioned people. We are a commissioned people. What that means by we are commissioned is we, we are people that live passionately to share the gospel locally, nationally, and globally. 
Amen? That we are a commissioned people. That, that, that there's a responsibility on us as Christians. We, are, we, are, we have been saved for a reason and there's a commission upon us. Amen? You know, in, in church circles or church theology, um, there's two things that are often talked about, which is the great commandment and the great commission. They're kind of like the bedrock of, of how church should, should operate. The great commandment and the great commission. And the great commandment is a whole other message in itself. But that's where Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment. And they talked about love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's, that's, that's the great commandment. But there's also the great commission. There's the great commandment is we keep Jesus at the center of it all. Love the Lord your God with your heart and soul and mind and strength. But there's also the great commission that goes, goes with it. They're kind of the two pillars, two pillars of church. The great commandment, the great commission. So we're going to look at the great commission this morning. What well, we, we are commissioned to do, to be passionate about sharing the gospel, locally, nationally, and globally. And we're going to unpack, unpack those, what, what they mean. So Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, if you've been in a family church for a while, you should know these scriptures very, very well. So we, talk, we do talk a lot about the Great Commission. Then 11 disciples went to Galilee, this is after Jesus' death and resurrection, and just before he ascends back to heaven. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. What a great commission. That is the last thing Jesus said, Mark 16, 15, worded slightly differently, but says this, Jesus said to him, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So this is great commission that we've been left with. So if you didn't know that this morning, you are a commissioned person. Amen? And it's very much, we, we desire for this to be part of our, our culture, for us to understand this culturally, that this is a big part of the Christian life, is, is reaching other people, is having a heart for the lost and desire to reach them. Now, the word gospel, it literally means good news. Now, you've only got to watch the news for, for, for five minutes, haven't you, these days? I've, I've said this a number of times, but it's just a reality that you've only got to watch the news for kind of five minutes these days. Obviously, the news has been very different kind of the last 10 days, but kind of pre, pre that, you know, there wasn't a lot of good news about. I would agree, right? There's not a lot of good news, is there? You know, there's got, this world desperately needs good news. That's what the word gospel literally means, the good news of Jesus. And, and, and who he is, and, and why, his, why, you know, why he came to earth, why he died on the cross, why that matters, why that matters to people's lives. Amen? So we are commissioned. We're very quiet this morning. I'm listening. Awesome. Yeah, but we are commissioned people. So Jesus said, go and make disciples. So we are encouraged to go. We're not encouraged to stay. We're encouraged to go. Now, this doesn't mean to say we all have to become missionaries and go to the other ends of the world, although, of course, that's what some people do, because that's the calling on their life. Brilliant. Awesome. We'll, we'll talk about that. But we are all encouraged to do something about it. We're all encouraged to go and not stay. We're all encouraged to live a go life, a, a life that, is, that is, is geared with a heart and passion for the lost, a desire to see other people to know the same truth that we know for ourselves. We have to remember that about, about the world and the way the world is, is the world just doesn't know what it's doing, right? We'll have to, we'll have to forget this. You know, when, when you see people living crazy lifestyles and all kind of things, you kind of think, well, that's just nuts. Why are they, why are they doing that? We have to remember that, that 
we would almost certainly be no different if we didn't know God, right? Is that true or not, right? These are realities. And, and, and we, we, we describe people who don't know God as the lost because they are lost. They're, they're lost in their sin. They, they don't know. They're, they're blinded to the, to the reality of the gospel. That's what the Apostle Paul says about it. And they need their eyes opened by Jesus. Amen? So do, that's kind of our starting point is do we have a heart and passion for the lost? Amen? You know, Jesus had an incredible heart for the lost. An incredible, incredible heart. It was often misunderstood. People didn't, under, people didn't understand it. People didn't understand who he understand why he was hanging around with, who he hung around with, and and the religious leaders were, were highly offended a whole number of times because of Jesus, just trying to just being desperate to reach people, amen, and to, to meeting them where they are. Luke five verse twenty nine to thirty one says this. Then Levi, so that's Matthew, because he's kind of got two names like a lot of people did in biblical times. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, belonged, uh, belong, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus' answers were always amazing, aren't they? Always just totally, <laughs> just totally kind of shut down the conversation, but in a good way. Just kind of just floored everybody with his, with his incredible spiritual wisdom. Jesus answered them, is it not the healthy who need a doctor? Sorry, it is not. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What a statement that is. And Jesus was literally being criticized for who he, who he hung around with, with, with tax collectors who were hated and despised. Um, in those days, maybe people still don't really like tax collectors. I don't know. But certainly in those days, we were, were, were absolutely hated. It was, it was, it was, it was corrupt. Um, they were seen as, seen as the lowest of the low. They were seen they worked for Rome who, and Roman, Rome's... Uh, Romans were kind of the oppressors at the time, so they were also seen as traitors and not re- not real Jews. So it's kind of a tax collector. This was the lowest of the low. And this is Levi. This is talking about Matthew, who, of course, I'm sure you know, Matthew was a tax collector. And uh, probably got very wealthy off the back of it. We, there's a story later, isn't it, about Zacchaeus, who'd also been a tax collector, and, and, and he's totally convicted by, uh, by Jesus. Jesus comes to his house, and, and, and Zacchaeus promises to pay back four, four times what he'd stolen. So it's kind of stealing from people. Corruption was huge. And we're also seen as a, a traitor, not, not a real Jew. How in the world can you work for the Romans? You can't be a Jew. So, so this is kind of like, these are the people that Jesus is hanging out with. And, and the Pharisees are religious leaders like, Jesus, what in, the world are you do- <laughs> what in the world are you doing? Why are you eating and drinking with these people? Don't, don't you know their lifestyle as if Jesus didn't know? Well, of course he knew. But Jesus makes that statement. It totally floors them. It is not the healthy needed doctor, but the, but the sick. You know, Jesus is a spiritual doctor. Amen. And Jesus is a spiritual doctor that this world still needs. It was, it was truth then, and it's still truth now. Amen. You know, this world, this world is sick. The world doesn't know what, what, what it's doing. And, and, and he's healing, and he's spiritual healing, and it's only Jesus that can bring that spiritual healing. Amen. So God's calling on us as, as believers is to reach others, to have a heart and a passion for the lost. So come back to that starting point. Is our, is our heart a reflection of God's heart? Is our heart a reflection of God's heart? That's a big, big question. Amen? Is our heart for the lost the same as God's heart for the lost? When we see people who are lost and, and in their sin and maybe doing some crazy stuff, what, what, what do you think when we see that? Do we think, well, that's awful. I don't want to be near them. Well, I'm not going to judge anyone this morning, but that's how the Pharisees felt about the situation. Jesus' response was totally different. He was like, they're sick. They don't know what they're doing. They're blind. They're, they're, they're devils. Their father is a devil. They, don't, they just do not know what they're doing. 
are just lost and just steeped in their sin. But, but that what they need is a saviour. What they need is a doctor. And I think that totally changes your thinking when we see what's going on you know, in our world today. Is the world is sick and needs a spiritual doctor. You know, I think this is a great, a great uh, point to make or a great opportunity just to think about who went into your world, who obeyed the word go and went into your world. You know, think about your own testimony of how you became a Christian. You know, that meant that someone, someone intentionally went into your world. Whoever you got saved, it was with a friend or you were brought into church or whatever the context might be. Who obeyed go and went into your world? Amen? Who brought Jesus, the doctor, into your world? Amen? Now, just for myself and Wendy, our testimonies are totally different, radically, radically different. It's very helpful as pastors, actually. It's so radically different because we kind of, like come from the two, kind of come from the two extremes. You know, my own testimony, I was very influenced by my parents, very thankful for my dad and my late mum, and who were very influential to me in a Christian sense, brought up in a Christian, uh, a Christian home. You know, but they, they, they obeyed the word go and they went into my world. And yes, they were just being parents, what parents do. But, you know, that's my, that's my testimony. You know, they obeyed the word go, brought Jesus, brought me to church from a baby. And, and that, was kind of all, that was kind of all I knew when I was eight years old in 1984, 20th of May. Then I accepted Jesus into my heart. And I knew very much, well, I was only eight, knew very well what I was doing, knew very much what I was doing and the significance you know, of that, of that decision at that point. Amen? Yeah, so that was, my parents were obeying the word go, and it's a great responsibility on us as parents, if you are a parent this morning, to, to bring Jesus into the, into the world. Amen? Now, Wendy's, Wendy's testimony, and she's probably, I think she's probably mentioned it a few times from the front, but Wendy's testimony is very, very different. There were no Christians in her, in her family. In my family, there were lots, lots of Christians about to both sets of my grandparents and, and previous generations them on both my mum's side and my dad's side um, some of my um, some of my church fam- uh, some of my church family some of my natural family uh, have been pastors and ministers you know, so that was kind of my background Wendy's very very different Wendy was the very first Christian in her, in her family as far as, as far as we know I mean it might have been hundreds of years ago who knows but certainly in our current kind of generation her mum and dad were not Christians at all um, they were, her parents were divorced um, kind of crazy stuff had gone on her parents and her grandparents uh, generation um, all sorts of difficult uh, situations and, and divorce was rife throughout her family I don't think there were any I don't think there was anyone that was still married like and kind of going back um, you know generations and aunties and uncles and all sorts of stuff so so very very different and someone invited her to find her to church at the age of 21 she just left university and invited her to church and, and she was radically saved at that point so, you know, that, that friend who brought her to church, they, they obeyed the word go. Amen? They obeyed the word go, had a heart and a passion for the lost, obeyed the word go, and, and brought Jesus, the doctor, into Wendy's world. So our background is very different, but it's the same principles. Does that make sense? So when you brought, in a, brought up in a Christian home where you found God in a completely different way, is someone obeying the word go. Amen? Amen? Obeying that to go and to make disciples. Praise God. Yeah, so think about your own testimony. Who obeyed go and went into your world? Amen. Would you have known Jesus uh, without that? I know Jesus has always got a different way of finding people, but, but if those people hadn't been obedient to go into your world, would you have found Jesus in the same way or as early as you did? It's an interesting thought, right? So let's be challenged by that. Amen. To go into people's worlds. So Acts, Acts 1 verse 8. 
Luke writes this, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Well, it's Jesus saying it, but Luke wrote Acts. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we're talking about we are, we are commissioned to share the gospel locally, nationally, and globally. You know, this is very much what, what Jesus was talking about here, is, is talking to the disciples and, and the early church and what they were going to do and about how they were going to be witnesses all across the world. Witnesses in Jerusalem, which is kind of like their local area. And we witnessed in Judea and Samaria, which is kind of like the wider area at that time. You know, and also then to the ends of the earth. And if you know your church history, you know how it gradually spread. And, um, and, and Paul took it to different European countries, spread, spread out to Greece and, and to Italy. Um, and then Christianity spread right across, right across Europe. And praise the Lord for that. Yeah, but that was a fulfillment of this fulfillment of what Jesus said here. You'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Praise, praise God. So we're, so we're people who live passionately to share the gospel locally, nationally, and globally. So kind of using that context of that scripture, we'll start with Jerusalem. Well, what is our Jerusalem? Okay, what, what, is, what is our Jerusalem? What does, that, what does that mean for us? If we're going to be people that live passionately to, to share the gospel, gospel in our locality or locally, what is, what is kind of our Jerusalem? Yeah, well, that's what I would say is that that's people in your world. People in your, in your world locally. For example, your friends, your neighbors, unsafe family, work colleagues would be great examples of that. As, as a church, our, our local community. Amen? So we are called to be passionate about reaching those people in our world. Amen? So are we passionate about that? Again, is our heart a reflection of God's heart? Amen? Going back to what we talked about last week, are we living Christ-centered lives, which, which one we should do anyway as believers, but are we living Christ-centered lives as an example to other people in our world? You know, it's one of the best things you can possibly, when you possibly do. You know, the reality is, in, in the world that we live, people think that Christianity is full of hypocrites. That's the reality. They do. I think it's full of hypocrites who say one thing and do something else. They don't, don't practice what they preach. This is, this is what the world thinks. So as believers, let's do something about that. Amen? Let's change people's mentality. I know it's ultimately only the Holy Spirit that changes people. Yes, that's true. But let's change people's mentality about this. Let's be people that live Christ-centered lives. We, we, we say what we do. We do what we say. We let our yes be yes and our, our no be no. We, we, we say what we mean and we mean what we say. You know, we don't have holier-than-thou attitudes where we're telling everyone else how they should live their lives, but we don't even do it ourselves. And that's just hypocrisy. You know, if, if, if we're doing that, the world is right about us. That's, that's, just, that's the truth. All right? So that's people who live Christ-centered lives as an example to the world. And that's the best possible thing you can do in your world. And, of course, we, can, we absolutely do need to talk to people and ask God for opportunities. But a great starting point is just to make sure you're living a Christ-centered life. Amen? Now, if in, in your workplace, you find yourself... You know, obviously I'm now working in a church environment, so it is, is, is different. And, and all the people around me I work with throughout the week are Christians. You know, but I've worked in secular environments. I've been a teacher and I've worked in a, worked in a, in a bank and done other, other things. And it is, it's, it's not easy to be a Christian sometimes, is it? And, and you hear all kinds of crazy conversations, filthy jokes, people taking God's name in vain. I've worked with a, worked with a white witch. I've worked with someone who's, whose husband was a... 
um, whose husband was a, was a uh, Freemason. He hated Christians, and I mean with a passion. When I say hate, I don't use that word lightly. He hated born-again Christians, and he was very open about that. She had some interesting conversations. So someone I worked with in a supermarket, she was, she was a white witch. She was very open about that fact. We had some interesting conversations as well. It's, these are the realities, aren't you? Of, of the kind of people whose worlds uh, that we come into, you work with a lot of people, they just live for the weekend, they, they, just, they just get drunk at the weekend, that's just kind of what they do, they go clubbing at weekends, they kind of believe in, in free love and, and casual sex, these are people I've worked with, I knew someone who I worked with who, who was married, he used to take their wedding ring off every time they went clubbing, you know, to, to, to find a new guy, this is the world we're in, I'm not judging anyone, I'm just talking about this is, this is the world that we're in, right? Remember, we're not, we're not coming from a judgmental point, point, they are sick and they need a doctor, the thing to remember what I'm what I am saying all that for it's challenging right but this is where we can make a difference the way we live our lives uh, the way we speak the conversations we get involved in or the conversations we don't get involved in this is where we a great place to live a Christ-centered life is in your workplace you can totally uh, make a difference just by the way you live and I believe God will honor that as well in terms of you getting promotions and everything else because they're the things that that at least good managers anyway, the things that good managers are looking for, amen, people who work hard and etc. And, and do things do things the right way. So that's where people live Christ-centered lives, amen. Be passionate about sharing the gospel. But remember, the greatest way you can share the gospel is by the way you live, first of all. And then ask God for opportunities to speak into those, speak into people's lives, with your, with your work colleagues, with your unsafe family, ask God for opportunities to speak into their into their lives, even if they're normally very, very close to it, that might be a reality. But ask God for opportunities, Amen. Praise God. And for us as a, as, as a congregation, for us as here as Family Church Waterside, our Jerusalem is very much the waterside. You know, this lovely part of the world that we live in, you know, down from Marchwood down to Cowshot, along the edge of Southampton Water, it's kind of where we are on the edge of the New Forest. This is this is this is, this is where we are. And let's have a real heart and passion for the lost in this area. Amen. You know, we live in a very interesting area. Um, I looked up the stats on this once from the last census, which was 2011. I don't, think, I don't know if the 2021 census data is even out yet. It takes ages before it gets published. Anyway, 2011 census. What's interesting about, about this waterside area that we live in, this is true of the New Forest uh, kind of generally, you know, it's almost everyone says that they're Christians in this area. It's really interesting. If you look up the stats, probably about 80% of people call themselves Christians. Now, clearly that has no basis <laughs> in, in reality, um, I was talking to another uh, local vicar, actually, just, just down the road, and we were just kind of talking about this. And probably, you know, it's probably uh, a reality of maybe 1% of people in the ward side go to church regularly. Well, I think 1% is probably an exaggeration. Probably, I don't know if it would even be that. And there's 40,000 people here. Are there 400 in church on a Sunday across the ward side? I, I think that's unlikely. So, you know, this is, this is a reality. Is it even, is it even 1%? It's certainly not 2%, I would say. So this is kind of the reality of where we are. We've got 80% of people in this area saying that they're Christians, and, and, and 79%, even those 80%, I said, aren't going, to, aren't going to church regularly. So what does that, obviously, it just means something completely different to them, which just means, well, they see we're a Christian country, or maybe they got christened, or um, maybe they went to Sunday school once. I, I don't know. They obviously all mean different things by it, but it's very different to what, what the Bible says about what being a Christian is. Amen. But let's be people who have such a heart for the lost. Amen? And this unique part of the world that we have the joy of living in, it is a great place, part of the world. Amen? Let's have such a heart for the waterside, such a heart for this, for this area, for people to, to know God. Amen? 
and understand that Jesus is a spiritual doctor that this world needs, this area needs. Praise God. Amen. How are we going for time? Okay, <laughs> move on. <laughs> move on quickly. Okay, so so we we are commissioned. We live to live passionately to share the gospel locally, nationally, and globally. So just to say just a little bit about nationally. You may be thinking, well, how are we going to reach people nationally, UK wide? Kind of, how do we do do that? I just kind of just want to encourage you, really, just to let you know about some things that we do as a church. So um, we're part of um, Assemblies of God, which is the largest Pentecostal denomination in the world. I think it's about 250,000 churches worldwide, Asian churches, and there's about 500, five to 600 in, in Britain, uh, regularly planting, got a real desire to keep planting more churches. And, and, and as a church, we have a big voice in, in Assemblies of God. Pastor Andy, our senior pastor, is very well known. Assemblies of God has spoken at AAG conference in the past. Pastor Andy has a whole load of relationships with UK churches um, across the country. So I'm just saying that just to encourage you, we do have a voice nationally. Amen. Have a voice in kind of churches uh, right across the land. Um, many of you know about Pastor Andy's um, Soul Winner course. Anyone done the Soul Winner course? Have you done the Soul Winner course? Some of you. I'm going to come back to Soul Winner in a minute. Okay, but the Soul Winner course has been done right around right around the UK, and it's been it's been awesome. I, I saw on um I saw on Facebook yesterday who Glyn Barrett, who's the head of Assemblies of God, was was meeting with King Charles yesterday, and they kind of had a big faith faith meeting kind of like from all across the face including you know, Muslims, Jews, etc as well, but Glyn, Glyn Barrett who's the head of Assemblies God was, was there so that's, that's, that's awesome as well that the, the king wants to put faith, obviously we believe it should be the Christian faith at the centre of it all, but that's great that he's meeting with faith leaders that, that's awesome you know, as a church we want to keep planting more and more family church congregations that's, that's a heart for myself and Wendy here that it's our heart's desire to, to plant out from Waterside into the, into the surrounding area and we'll keep you posted We'll keep you posted on that. And as a, as, a, as a movement as a whole, as a family church as a whole, we want to continue to plant more and more congregations because we want to, to reach more people, amen? amen. Yeah. And not just locally, to meet nationally as well, amen? And also I just encourage you in terms of a national basis to, to be praying for our nation. We just prayed about, about what's happening tomorrow in our nation, but to be praying for our nation, including those in authority. Whatever you think about what, what they say and do, okay, it's not about taking a political stance on it. And the Bible says we should pray for those in authority. Amen? So let's be people who, who, who do that. They, they need guidance in this, in this crazy world that we're in right now. They need guidance. They need Jesus. Amen? So let's be passionate about sharing the gospel nationally. So just encouraging you in different, different ways that we're already doing that and different ways you can do that, but to be praying for our praying for our nation. Amen. And we're going to keep on planting congregations out to reach more people nationally. Praise God. And then, and then uh, Jesus said about you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we also need to have a heart's desire to reach people globally. Amen. To see people all across this, all across this world, and we need to not be blinkered about that, just, just kind of like just me and my world. We need to understand Jerusalem, the, the waterside. Judea and Samaria are kind of the UK as a whole and, and globally. You may be thinking, well, what, what, how do I get involved in that? You know, well, there's lots of different things that you can do. And, you know, there's many missionaries and charities that we support as a church just to kind of fill you in on this. And there's loads of churches doing amazing stuff all across the world. But this is just kind of where family church is at. Um, we support missionaries and charities in, um, in Ecuador, in Angola, in Zambia. Um, a mission right across Europe in Moldova, Philippines, Myanmar, Brazil, and India. So these are all ones we regularly, we regularly, uh, regularly support 
uh, missionaries there or different organizations. So ways you can get involved, you can get involved in praying for them. You can even get involved in financial support. We did a whole video. If you remember Global, don't you remember Global Sunday? Which is, I don't know, end of May, I think it was. Somewhere around then. <laughs> so a while ago now. Um, we had a video of just different things that are going on around the world. So a great way you can get involved in financial support if that's something that God lays on your heart about reaching people all across the world. We've even got some upcoming mission trips um, coming up next year and in 2024. If you're on our Family Church database, you'll have had an email from Pastor Stu, our executive pastor. Um, we've got a mission in Ecuador in May next year. We've got one in Angola in August next year and one in the Philippines in April 2024. So again, so you should all have had an email about that if you're on our email database. And if you want to get involved in any of those short-term missions, a great opportunity Great opportunity to do that, and I'd encourage you uh, to, to do that. Amen? So there's different ways you can get involved in reaching people uh, globally. Amen? Let's be people to just have a heart for that. Have a heart for the persecuted church as well, of course, many places across the world. And remember we had Elna with us. Um, I can't remember when that was. April, maybe. <laughs> April-ish. Um, and we had Elna with us who works in, in churches right, uh, works in churches and with Christians and different organizations across kind of Eastern Europe, but kind of the Muslim end of Eastern, of Eastern Europe around Turkey and those surrounding, surrounding countries and doing, doing an amazing, uh, amazing job. As we people, we never forget about those who, who are persecuted as well. Amen? This is a reality. So if, you know, for some people, and for some of us, we just make a decision in a day or maybe on a Sunday morning, you know, do I feel tired? Do I want to go to church or not? Um, do I want to get out of bed? You know, for some people, just to saying they're going to go to church, it's a life and death situation. Uh, literally life and death, isn't it? You know, in many places of the world, it's, it's illegal to, to own a Bible. Countries like Saudi Arabia, you can't, if you have a Bible in your suitcase, you won't get into Saudi Arabia. You will be deported straight away. You won't get, part, you won't get through customs. So these, these are realities it, it, it's interesting, and my kids were talking to me about this. So, like, why, why do countries fear the? It's interesting. Isn't it? Why do countries fear the Bible? It's very interesting, which is, which is a great point, isn't it? Because if it's just a fairy tale, well, what, what in the world are they fearing? It's like you know, Cinderella, something Disney made up. You know, what, what, what are they fearing? Isn't it interesting that they fear a book that they don't believe is true? I find that extraordinary that they fear that. But, but that's a reality. There's loads of places around the world that the Bible is, uh, the Bible is banned. You can't openly profess to being a Christian. If you were a Muslim and become a Christian, you're in, in some parts of the world, Pakistan, other parts of the Middle East, you know, you, they will be after your life. And that's just a, just a reality. That's like the ultimate insult to Islam is to turn from uh, Islam to Christianity. But praise God, right across the Middle East, people are coming to know Jesus. And, and, that's, and that's awesome. And God's appearing in dreams and all sorts of stuff. Because I'm sure if you know your faith. You know that Muslims do believe in do believe in Jesus. They believe he's a prophet, and they even believe he's a great prophet. But obviously, they don't have the same revelation that we have about him being the son about the son of God and what his death and resurrection means. But they do have a belief in Jesus. But they just need to know the reality, a revelation from God Himself. Amen. Praise God. But I'm saying all that just let's have a heart for people globally, locally, and nationally, and globally. To be prepared to win our world, whatever that looks like. And I just want to come just to close, just to come back to, to, to Soul Winner, which I mentioned earlier. So Soul Winner is a, is a, is a training tool that, that our, pastor, our senior pastor, Andy Elms, runs. Um, I asked you to put your hands up earlier. If you've done Soul Winner, I've done it twice. Um, I'm in goody two-shoes. <laughs> but anyway, I've done it twice. I'm just saying, I've done it twice. 
but the whole point of a Soul Winner course, it's, it's an online course, it's done through YouTube, it's just done through YouTube Live, and I'd really, really encourage you uh, to do it. And it's all about tools to reach your world. And very, very practical tools you can ask, you can ask questions, you can ask live questions, and all sorts of stuff. And loads of people have done it. It's already been done in uh, nearly 2,500 households across Britain now. And Pastor Andy's vision is to, is, is to reach 10,000 households. There's now 2,300 households and small groups have registered for it. And it's all about how to reach your world. Those people in your world, how do you, start, how do you even start a conversation? These are the sort of questions asked. How do we start a conversation about Jesus? What's even the starting point? How do, how do we even kind of bring that up? You know, in your workplace, where you're just like doing some accounts or whatever. How are you suddenly going to bring up, well, let's bring Jesus into this. You know what I mean? How, how, do, how do you even do that? Because it would, you know, on the surface, that would just seem so random, wouldn't it? But where, so how do you start those conversations? How do you bring Jesus into your world? And it's, it's brilliant. How do you rely on the Holy Spirit? How do you hear from the Holy Spirit to speak into people's lives, etc.? It's, it's fantastic. So I'd really, really encourage you to do it. There's one coming up very soon, actually. So if you could just play the video, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Great, so it's coming up soon, 20th of October. It's running five Thursdays. You, you can register at soulwinner.co.uk and it's a real, it's totally, totally free. Okay. But yeah, and it'll really, really bless you. Uh, so it's a great opportunity. And not many people put their hand up early, not judging anyone, I'm just saying, not many people put their hand up early. So there's great scope for you to get involved with that. I'd really, really, genuinely, really, really encourage you to do it. It's only going to bless you and be a great tool to your life about how to reach your, your local world. Amen. So let's kind of bring this to a close. Let's be a people who have such a heart for the lost. God loves the lost. You know, the Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish. Amen. Jesus paid a monumental price, the biggest price that he possibly paid. God so, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's the reality of what Jesus did. Amen. Jesus has, has such a heart for the sick, those who are spiritually sick. He had a heart for the physically sick, absolutely. And often, and, and well, always healed people that were after healing. But ultimately, he came for the spiritually sick. He understood that they were sick, that they, they needed a doctor. Let's always remember that in our relationship with the world and our relationship with those people in our world locally, our friends, our neighbors, our family, our work colleagues. Let's have such a heart for them. Be asking God to give you opportunities to speak into their lives. Ask God to, for spiritual things to come up, to come up in, in your workplace in your family. Let's be great examples. Let's be Christ-centered lives. Amen. Let's see this area as is our, is our, is our Jerusalem that God wants to reach. Let's have such a heart for our, for our nation be praying for those in authority over us and as a church, as I said, we want to keep planting more congregations, reaching more people nationally and to the ends of the earth. Let's have such a heart for people all across the world that desperately need God. Amen. This, this world is sick but it needs a spiritual doctor. Let's all stand this morning. I just want to pray for you all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that Lord, you died for us. Lord, for those of us believers this morning, Lord, we recognize what you did on the cross for us. We've celebrated communion 
uh, communion this morning. Thank you. You've given us, given us life. Lord, and in our spiritual sickness, Lord, you came along as, as the spiritual doctor, Lord, and you healed us and restored us. Lord, you made us new. You, as we talked about this morning, you breathed your, your life into us, oh God. You took all our sin. You, you took it all on the cross by your wounds, Lord. We are healed. You, you were pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. You did all of that for us. You reached us in our, in our sickness, Lord, and you had such a heart for us. Lord, firstly, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for, for those in, in our own world and whatever our own testimonies may be. Lord, we thank you that for those who had a heart for us. Lord, those who chose to go into their world, Lord, and to reach us, Lord, for your glory. Lord, we thank you for those people, Lord, who are obedient to us, whatever our testimony may be. Whether we be parents or, or friends or neighbors or whatever it may be. We say thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, that we know you. Thank you for reaching us. Lord, but we, Lord, we know you have such a heart for the lost, and I pray, Lord, that that would just characterize us, Lord, as a body of believers, Lord, that we will love the lost. Lord, we have such a passion for the lost. We have such a passion, Lord, for reaching the lost, Lord, for your glory. Lord, give us opportunities in our local world, Lord, in our workplaces, Lord, in our families. Lord, I pray for those, Lord, that in their workplaces and families, Lord, those with unsaved spouses, unsaved family members, Lord, with neighbors, the kind of wider local community. Lord God, give us opportunities. Give us the right things to say. Lord, may we speak words of life. Lord, may we bring your hope and your peace and your, your, your love, Lord, and your mercy, Lord, into situations. Lord, help us to be brave. Lord, help us to trust you, Lord, to be strong and courageous, Lord God, and obedient to you to say what, say what needs to be said. Lord, help us to be people of prayer, Lord, that are praying for our, praying for our loved ones, praying for our communities, Lord God. Lord, that they will come to know you as their Lord and Saviour. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we pray for our nation, Lord God. Lord, has got so many Christian, Christian roots. Lord, I pray it will be a nation again that looks to you. Lord, I pray, Lord, just across this land, Lord God, that people will have a revelation, Lord, of who you are as their Lord and Saviour. In, in their sickness, Lord, in their spiritual sickness and their desire to try and find life, Lord, that they will find you in it all. In Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for, Lord, Lord for... Lord, for global outreach, we thank you for all those incredible missionaries that are doing, doing amazing things, often in life and death situations, oh God, for what they sacrifice, or so many have given up their entire lives, Lord, just to serve you on the mission field. Lord, we pray your blessing upon them, oh God, they will know your presence with them. Thank you, Jesus. Help them just to reach more and more people and plant churches and all the things you've called them to do. Lord, we pray for those Christians, Lord, that are in, in persecuted parts of the world. Lord, that they would just stand up for what they know is right, for what they know is truth, Lord God. Lord, to strengthen them. Lord, to encourage them. Lord, may they know, Lord, they're, they're in such a real way, they're part of a whole worldwide church, church body and church family that loves them and cares about them. Lord, and prays for them. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, and we just pray right across the world, Lord, just for an explosion of your gospel. Lord, especially in those countries, Lord, and so, so that try and persecute it. And so often, like China, Lord, but the more they persecute it, the more your church grows. And I thank you for those great truths. And I pray that be true right across the Middle East, right across Asia, Lord, all those persecuted places. Lord, just for an explosion of your gospel, explosion of people coming to know you, of knowing you as our Lord and Savior. Set them free from the, the bondage of religion that so many people have. May they know you for themselves in Jesus' name. Lord, and use us. Lord, for your glory, may we be a go people in the mighty name of Jesus.